All right, let's start today with news out of Russia and Ukraine. These headlines are sort of unbelievable. I, I'm going to stop short of calling them Kafka-esque, but it's almost appropriate. The Associated Press reports that Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, has declared martial law in the annexed regions of Ukraine. Now, that headline might make sense if that there was really an annexation that took place. What we're really talking about is occupied regions of Ukraine in which Putin is claiming sovereignty, but in which there really is no sovereignty. And so it's kind of a weird thing to say I'm declaring martial law in parts of a different country, which is fundamentally what Putin is doing. But of course, his perspective would be a different one. Let's look at a little bit of this article and we'll talk about the reasons for this and the implications and sort of what comes next. Um, Associated Press, once again, Russian President Vladimir Putin declared martial law Wednesday in the four regions of Ukraine that Moscow annexed and gave additional emergency powers to the heads of all regions of Russia. Putin didn't immediately spell out the steps that would be taken under martial law. I think we can guess some of them, but said his order was effective starting Thursday. His decree gives law enforcement agencies three days to submit specific proposals and orders the creation of territorial defense forces in those four annexed regions. The um, the statement here from Putin, again, it, it's it's all extremely dystopian, quote, we are working to solve very difficult large scale tasks to ensure Russia's security and safe future to protect our people. Huh? Those who are on the front lines are undergoing training at firing ranges and training centers should feel our support and know that they have our big, great country and unified people behind their back. Sounds a little bit Trumpy, quite frankly. Um, The Associated Press article also adds the upper house of Russia's parliament was set to quickly seal Putin's decision to impose martial law. Again, the regions we're talking about are Donetsk, Kherson, Luhansk and Zaporizhia. Um, draft legislation indicates it may involve restrictions on travel and public gatherings, tighter censorship and broader authority for law enforcement agencies. Think about the evil genius of this, right? Uh, it's not even your country. You say, oh, yeah, we're annexing these parts of the country. It's not formally done. And I get it, it, I, I understand that when a country is annexing part of another, the idea of formality, often what you're talking about is just years of it sort of being under the control. And then you say, well, I guess now it's kind of annexed. That definitely has not happened. And then you say, now that this is part of our country and we've annexed this, we're going to impose further restrictions and further repress and suppress reporting from the area, et cetera. The belief, there's a few different beliefs, sort of like most likely lowest hanging fruit priorities here. One would be legal cover for the wave of repressions that are certainly uh, that is certainly to come as absurd as that cover is. Hey, this is Russia now. And so now we're imposing martial law. The other aspect of this and a couple of people wrote to me, said, you know, David, it's kind of silly to say you're like imposing martial law in any kind of formal way because it's a war zone. And so by definition, it's all kind of under the control, at least ostensibly, of the military. So to now declare the martial law, it's it kind of is under a de facto martial law type situation because it's militaries fighting each other. Um, we're, we're looking at a forced mobilization of Ukrainians in the area. 
to start getting the uh, Ukrainians out. And this is by many reasonable assessments, a war crime. But by pretending that this is now Russia, that these four regions are part of Russia and that the individuals there are Russian, because remember, he's, quote, annexed it. It's I don't I don't want to call it plausible, but it's sort of is a one percent attempt at claiming that what you're doing is just the the uh, governance of your own country rather than an alleged war crime. So it's bonkers and it's crazy. And of course, we continue to wonder about what is the end game here. There does not seem to be a face saving off ramp for Vladimir Putin here. And increasingly, the questions among the United States and Western allies continue to be uh, how far do we allow this to go and for how long? And what are the sort of red lines at which point different interventions would happen for how long and to what degree and in what particular ways do we again, U.S., Western allies, NATO, et cetera, sort of these Venn circles of, of those individual groups continue to fund and supply Ukraine? And um, at, at what point do we imagine that the circumstances may change? And there aren't really good answers to that in the U.S., as is often the case, the conversation becomes what I call toxically partisan. And what I mean by that is, of course, if different individuals with different worldviews would have different opinions about what should be done in Russia. Obviously, more isolationist individuals would say we should do nothing. We shouldn't even send money. Send no, don't send arms, send nothing at all. Don't send legs. Don't send anything. Um, that's a joke, by the way. Others would say, well, we we send money, but not arms or we send money and arms, but absolutely nothing beyond that. Or, well, what about training? And then, of course, at the very far end of that would be sort of boots on the ground. The unfortunate thing is that when I say it's become toxically partisan, you have many right wingers who seek only to attack Joe Biden, who take the position that Biden is just wasting money in Ukraine. Now, a lot of these same people earlier were saying Biden hasn't done enough to protect the, the Ukrainian people and Russia never would have even invaded if Trump was president. So you, you can't really get anywhere with about eh, 60 to 70 percent of people on this issue. I, I'm really willing to entertain reasonable perspectives I don't want to say from both sides, but regardless of political ideology, I'm willing to entertain reasonable perspectives that will both uh, not allow Russia to just walk all over whoever they want to walk over while also not committing or involving the United States in a way that would be either counter counterproductive or not particularly appropriate, given that we should not be the world's police. Any I'm willing to entertain any reasonable ideas that fall under that umbrella. If you have any as to what this should look like, feel free to email me last night. Incumbent Republican Florida Senator Marco Rubio was brutally crushed in a disastrous debate for him by challenger Democratic Congresswoman Val Demings. I have not seen a debate like this in a long time. And we've covered now close to a dozen different 2022 debates live on YouTube, Twitch and Facebook, as we tend to do. I have not seen such a one sided debate until last night's debate where Val Demings just crushed Rubio. He looked despondent at certain points. I also will mention Rubio seemed not only like he didn't want to be there, 
but sort of like he didn't think he needed to be there. His his attitude the entire debate was that Val Demings is sort of beneath him. Why does he have to waste his time as the incumbent senator debating this lowly other individual? And she really crushed him. Now, before we look at some clips, I will mention Demings wasn't perfect. She definitely wasn't perfect. There were a few moments where she gave Rubio very good openings for easy and effective rebuttals. And you heard from the crowd that they were effective. There were some moments that just weren't perfect, but she was really, really good. Demings came out uh, very, very hot after Rubio uh, accused her of never having passed any legislation. Let's just jump jump right into these. these. This is very interesting. She's been in Congress for over half a decade. She's never passed a bill, not PPP, not anything, not a single bill she's passed has ever become law. I'm proud of the fact That's we saved true. millions of jobs. I'm proud of the fact we did it in a bipartisan way. That's not true. I know the senator, look, and, and I'm really disappointed in you, Marco Rubio, because I don't, I think there was a time when you did not lie in order to win. <laughs> I don't know what happened to you. You know that is not true. My first term in this in the United States House, I passed legislation to help law enforcement officers with mental health programs. Your first term in the Senate, you voted to turn Medicare into basically to abolish it and then turn it into an underfunded voucher program. And then you gave the biggest tax break to the richest of the rich and said you'd pay for it with cuts to Social Security and Medicare. Now, not only was she very much prepared for these attacks, Val Demings chose to do something interesting during the debate. While Marco Rubio continued to basically address the moderators moderator, Val Demings regularly turned to Marco Rubio and directly addressed him. Now, in our live chat, there were some people who said this is not a good approach. It's coming off as uh, too aggressive and confrontational. Val Demings is trying to play from behind here, and we'll look at the polling in a bit. I actually think that this was exactly right, because when she would do that, when she would turn to Rubio, Rubio visibly shrank away. He 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 shrank away from the confrontation. Let's look uh, at more clips. And these are these really are good. Um, here's just enough. These don't really need necessarily introductions. Of course, the senator who has never run anything at all but his mouth <laughs> would know nothing about helping people and being there for people when they are in trouble. No one planned the pandemic. But our response to it is everything. Individuals were hurting. Families were hurting. Businesses were hurting. We passed the CARES Act, which the senator supported. There were some problems in the CARES Act with the Paycheck Protection Program that you love to take credit for. Some say it was poorly written. Some say it didn't help the people that it was supposed to, didn't save the jobs that it was supposed to. There was a way to fix the problems in the PPP through the American Rescue Plan and help people that were in trouble. But you played politics, Senator, and you did not do that. Your number one job as a United States senator is to protect the health, safety and well-being of the American people. You've been at it for 24 years. Of course. Yeah, she had a very good mix of passion, but also very specific claims from Marco Rubio's legislative past or lack thereof. This came up again during the topic of prescription drugs and it, it's just hard to say anything other than Demings was prepared and Rubio seemed resentful of even having to be there. He talked about pharmaceuticals. 
He voted against legislation that would help reduce the cost of prescription drugs and help cap the cost of insulin. And Rubio, again, it it seemed that he was unsure how to respond. Now, one of the other interesting things about Val Demings is they can't go after her with one of the really popular slogans of 2022, which is you're part of this defund the police movement. Demings was a police officer, a police detective and a police chief. And her credentials as a supporter of law enforcement, while also supporting reform, make it very difficult to attack her on those lines. And when the topic of gun violence came up, the difference in not only knowledge, but even commitment to dealing with gun violence was palpably different. The majority of people in our nation want us to do just that. How long will you watch people being gunned down in first grade, fourth grade, high school, college, church, synagogue, a grocery store, a movie theater, a mall and a nightclub Congresswoman. and do nothing. Yeah. And that was a critical moment of the debate, in fact, where I think it sort of turned. R- Rubio seemed almost defeated after that point. His only real successes after that point in the debate were when Demings gave him an opening by misstepping about his legislative past. And those are those are certainly mistakes that she made um, on uh, continuing on the issue of gun violence. It just was really not good for Rubio. Why are these people going out there right, and massacring sir, this is, people? This is the same, a lot of people the same argument and they don't made. kill everyone. I understand, sir, but I want to go don't. to Congresswoman Demings for 60 seconds. You know, people who are the families of Victims of gun violence just heard that, and they're asking themselves, what in the hell did he just say? Indeed. Senator, you used the, the Pulse nightclub shooting as your inspiration to run again for the Senate in 2016. Parkland, uh, Pulse is in my district. And yet, you've done nothing, nothing to help address gun violence and get dangerous weapons out of the hands of dangerous people. True. Florida, after Parkland, after you made promises that you had no intentions on keeping to the parents of Parkland, Florida passed legislation raising the age to have an assault weapon, passed red flag laws that we've seen 7,000 plus instances where they've been used now. To, our primary responsibility is the safety of Floridians. And Senator, 24 years in elected office and you have not yet risen to that occasion. And then when asked about it, you say something that makes no sense. Yeah. And it didn't make any sense. Rubio was asked multiple times. You previously said you would support changing the age requirement for buying a rifle. And now you don't seem to. Why not? And Rubio just went in circles, never actually acknowledging. Yes, I changed my position and here's why I changed my position and here's why. Um, one of the strangest moments was when the topic of election integrity, you know, whatever they want to call it, they, they have all these names that the name it's the name you use already implies a particular position. But the topic of ballot drop boxes came out and Rubio talked about how dangerous they are. That's a method of voting that doesn't advantage one group or another. There's danger involved in drop boxes. People need to think about it. Okay, imagine someone decides, oh, there's a drop box. I'm just going to put some explosive in it and blow it up and burn all of those ballots, and now those votes don't count at all. Why? Okay, there is there is something 
With elections, there are two things that are very important. Number one, the count has to be accurate. The votes have to be counted accurately. But the other is there has to be public confidence. Yeah. So Rubio saying the reasons that ballot drop boxes are bad are someone might bomb the drop box. OK, I mean, hasn't happened. I wouldn't necessarily start giving people ideas. And he claims people don't have confidence in the drop boxes. Well, the first thing has never happened. And he probably shouldn't be encouraging people to do it, bombing a drop box. The second thing is the reason some people don't have confidence in drop boxes is because people like Marco Rubio tell them that they the drop boxes can't be trusted, that you shouldn't have confidence in them. It's the, it's a vicious circle. We need vo- voting systems that people confide in. And the reason people don't confide in this one is because I told them not to. Oh, well, stop telling them not to confide in it. And then we would eliminate that problem. Uh, Rubio earlier in the debate said, you know, on gun laws, stricter gun laws don't make a difference because the criminals would find a way around it. But then he's saying, well, we got to get rid of the drop boxes to avoid someone blowing one up. Well, wouldn't criminals just find a different way to burn ballots if that's what they were determined to do? It doesn't really make any sense. One more clip. The topic of abortion came up and there were a lot of clips I could play on this. But in the interest of time, let's look at one in particular. This is really kind of emblematic of the dynamic on this issue during yesterday's debate that you talk about Lindsey Graham's bill. That's a four month ban. Okay, that is more lenient than every country in Europe, except for two. The extremist on abortion in this campaign is Congresswoman Demings. She supports no restrictions, no limitations of any kind. By the way, he said about six or seven times that Val Demings supports no limitations. She multiple times said, I support no limitations up until the gestational age of viability, which I, I don't I think it's between 21 and 26 weeks, roughly some somewhere in there. But he just kept repeating that lie. She voted against the four. She's against the four month ban. She voted against the five month ban. She supports taxpayer funded abortion on demand for any reason at any time up until the moment of birth. That's what she supports. That's the extreme position here. I have shown a willingness to work with people to save unborn innocent human life. She opposes any limitation of any kind, and no one ever asks them about that. Congresswoman Demings. Senator, how gullible do you really think Florida voters are? Well, the people voting for Rubio are very gullible, so she's actually on to something there. Number one, you have been clear that you support no exceptions, even including rape and incest. Now, as a police detective who investigated cases of rape and incest, no, Senator, I don't think it's okay for a 10 year old girl to be raped and have to carry the seed of her rapist. Mm. No, I don't think it's okay for you to make decisions for women and girls. As a senator, I think those decisions are made between the woman, her family, her daughter, and her faith. And to sit over or to stand over there and say that I support, don't support abortions up to the time of birth is just a lie. But to help protect the life of the mother, which you looked at that like it was just, well, kind of a, well, that's kind of a side issue. Senator, you know that you have said you don't support any exception. So the debate dramatically in Deming's favor. The question is, is it too little too late? Because the polling is not particularly good for Val Deming's latest uh, real clear politics. Average of recent polling has Marco Rubio up four point seven points, just shy of five points. 
that is a big deficit to overcome in just two and a half weeks or how long do we have left until the election? One, two, th- just under three weeks. It is a deficit to overcome. But let's hope that yesterday's debate performance will help Val Demings overcome some of it. One other thing. It always happens. You know, this 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 has been going on for so long. When a woman like Val Demings shows up, takes the aggressive approach, turns and looks at Rubio when she's telling him that he's lying, points to Rubio. There are always reactions that, oh, she's being too aggressive. She's too assertive, et cetera, et cetera. And the same sort of demeanor from male candidates is often seen as powerful, commanding, uh, indicative of uh, control over the issues and the circumstances. And there were indeed even people in my chat yesterday saying, oh, Demings is coming off too aggressive, turning this, that, the other thing. I think she did. I I genuinely think she did a great job. She, She did a fantastic job. One of the best debate performances so far. Not perfect, but very, very close. And let's see what kind of ground, if any, Val Demings can make up in the 20 or so days between now and the election. Let me know your thoughts, your reaction to the debate. You can find me on Twitter at Pacman. Our sponsor, Magic Spoon, is the breakfast cereal that tastes amazing, but without the sugar, carbs and the crazy ingredients. Magic Spoon has taken your favorite childhood cereals and brilliantly transformed them into something you can feel good about eating because each serving has zero grams of sugar under five net carbs and is packed with 13 grams of protein. So it'll work for keto and low carb, but it's really perfect for anyone who wants the occasional sweet, crunchy treat without the sugar. Their portfolio of eight plus unique, delicious flavors allow you to never get bored. My favorite is maple waffle, but they've got the classics like cocoa, fruity, frosted, also cinnamon roll, blueberry muffin. Our entire team has been eating Magic Spoon for years. We love it. But if you don't, they send you all your money back. It's really easy. Magic Spoon has been supporting The David Pakman Show for a long time. They always give my audience $5 off when you go to magicspoon.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. You can just tap the link in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10 percent off your first month. That's better. H.E.L.P. dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes.
The David Pakman Show, of course, is a viewer, listener, audience, community supported program. I would love for you to sign up at joinpacman.com. Do the thing. Do the thing. All the kids are talking about it and the adults, too, I have to say. Mostly adults. We actually don't have that many kids in our audience. You can sign up at joinpacman.com, get access to the daily bonus show, the commercial free audio and video streams of the show, the members only town halls, and so much more. And you can use the coupon code Obamna. Obamna to get a, a, a sizable discount, more than 50 percent. Let me leave it there. But you've got to spell Obamna correctly, which it's sort of like correctly, incorrectly. It's O-B-A-M-N-A. That's Mike Nancy, O-B-A-M-N-A uh, at joinpacman.com. All right, let's talk a little bit about Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake is the Republican nominee for the Arizona gubernatorial race. Carrie Lake is one of the most extreme candidates that has a shot at winning in this current slate of very deranged and delusional uh, Republicans that are running and will be uh, potentially winning some of them in just about 20 days. In a moment, we will talk about an unlikely unless you've been paying attention, an unlikely supporter of Carrie Lake showing up and campaigning for her. Her name is Tulsi Gabbard, but we'll get to that in a little bit over the weekend. And it's taken me time to get to this because the shows have been so packed. Carrie Lake appeared on CNN and Carrie Lake very clearly did not commit to accepting the results of the election if she were to lose. Now, Carrie Lake is slicker than some of the other MAGA nuts where she was just able to say there's no way I'm going to lose. And I will, of course, accept the results of me winning. But this is a way to avoid committing to accepting the results if she loses. And we know she's not going to accept the results if she loses. How do we know? Well, even in the Republican primary, which was it took a while to get a final result during the counting period, including when she fell behind, she started crying voter fraud. So we know from what happened a couple months ago that she's not going to accept the results anyway. Let's get to the clip. Here is Dana Bash trying to pin her down on this. My question won't. is, will you accept the results of your election in November? I'm going to win the election and I will accept that result. If you lose, will you accept that? I'm going to win the election and I will accept that result because the people will never the people of Arizona will never support and vote for a coward like Katie Hobbs, who won't show up on a debate stage. She's saying, yeah. you know, I said this regarding the White House press secretary Kaylee McEnany's comments in the summer of 2020, which was, you know, the president can't decide, shouldn't be able to decide whether to accept the results solely on the basis of whether they have won or they have lost. But that's exactly what Trump and Kaylee McEnany were setting Trump up to do in that summer of 2020. It was I will accept it if I win. But it's going to be fraud if I lose. And Trump never said it in that language. Kaylee never said it in that language, but they made it clear there's all these ways Democrats are going to try to steal it. And if indeed we lose by a little bit, it will be because Democrats have stolen it. But obviously, if we win, if we are reelected by the will of the people, which, of course, we will be, then we will accept that. And at the time I said, this isn't how democracy is supposed to work. And it is happening again. Republicans will accept election results when they win. And if they don't win, they will say that it was fraudulent or it was stolen or it was rigged or whatever the case may be. Uh, that is actual authoritarian fascism. That's not actually democracy. There was more of this 
very delusional interview. I'll play a little bit of it for you here. If leaders like you and President Trump are saying that the election was stolen, aren't you participating, contributing, even causing the idea of people thinking that the election is not safe and secure? No, we are going to make sure our elections are safe and secure for Democrats, independents, and Republicans alike. We want to know that our legal vote counted. We want to know the winner on election night. We don't want to be counting for 10 days. But and we it, want everyone to know. But shouldn't Dana, count it. Don't you want your votes to be counted? in trail. 20, Dana, don't you want your votes to be trail. counted no matter how long yeah, it takes in 2022 in November? Dana, Dana, I've been on the campaign trail for 503 days. I talked to moms and dads who are losing children because of fentanyl poisoning. I talked to retirees who can't afford gas and food. I talked to parents whose children are getting out of high school and can't read. We have serious problems. I we totally have agree. On our I totally agree, which and is why the election have, denial. you want to have me on here, Dana. You want to have me on here and talk 2020 election. And you're the one I, who would I would never Trump bring this up ever had you not been bringing this up consistently on the campaign trail. Let's look. Carrie Lake is truly horrible. Forward then. Can we talk Will you accept the results of the election? OK, so now we get into the part that we have already seen. This is a critical election in Arizona. I can't tell you how much of a joke the United States will be seen as. I mean, listen, we're, Trump won in 2016, so the, the, the being seen as a joke would not be new. But this woman is a cartoon and sadly, she's winning right now. The real clear politics average for the Arizona gubernatorial race between Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs has Carrie Lake one point six points ahead, one point six points ahead with a new DW Trafalgar poll having her plus three. Uh, that being said, there's a KPHO poll from four days prior, which has Katie Hobbs up one. But the message here is and we've got a great TikTok video actually about this. Carrie Lake could win. And turn Arizona into truly a laughingstock of the United States globally, where people are emailing me saying, what the hell is wrong with these people, particularly Carrie Lake? They may do it. They may do it. And so I hope that all of our Arizona voters are planning to vote. Uh, <laughs> this is one we'll be watching very closely. All right. So one more sort of Carrie Lake story, but it's also a Tulsi Gabbard story. I don't know that I have to rehash the entire story, but Tulsi Gabbard is a former Democratic congresswoman. She ran for president back in 2020 for the Democratic primary. And at the time, I told you, guys, this is not really a leftist. This is a grifter. This is not an interesting candidate. She's not bringing interesting ideas. She's just bamboozling people. And many in my audience understood that some did not. And they said, Tulsi is the last real liberal. She's truly the anti-war candidate. She's truly this, that, the other thing. OK. Obviously untrue. Cut to last week, Tulsi says, I'm no longer a Democrat. And in her speech leaving the Democratic Party, she lists a whole bunch of different conspiracy theories, anti-white racism, wokeism, um, an elitist cabal that's in control. It is like it's almost like QAnon stuff. But she's an independent now. She's a centrist and she's taking blah, 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 blah. OK, who's she campaigning for last night? Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake. Tulsi Gabbard, widely promoted as showing up in support of Kerry Lake, one of the most extreme candidates running in 2022 who has a chance to win. I will tell you a little bit about that in a moment. But here are Tulsi and Kerry throwing bouquets at each other. 
I am so blown away. They said we have a good crowd tonight. This is a massive crowd. I feel like a rock star up here, Tulsi. You are a rock star, Carrie. And you know what's amazing? The young Republicans are not just the future, they are the Republican Party, the new Republican Party. Yeah. Um, Tulsi Gabbard, who wants us to believe that she is no longer part of the Democratic Party, but she's still a centrist. She still holds many progressive or at least left leaning values, and she sees the good of both sides and all this stuff. One of her first acts as an independent, having left defiantly and because of her principles and values, left the Democratic Party. One of her first acts is to show up in support of Carrie Lake, who led anti mask rallies, anti mask masks, guys, told a group of Republican retirees she was preemptively prophylactically taking hydroxychloroquine to avoid getting covid-19. That's something Carrie Lake said to people. Um, Carrie Lake said that if she becomes governor, she will work to have hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin produced in Arizona to make it easier to get people those life saving covid drugs, which, of course, don't do anything to help when you have covid, as demonstrated by actual medical trials. She accused Joe Biden and Democrats of having a, quote, demonic agenda. She's doing the demonic stuff. And Tulsi goes, now that I'm a clear thinking independent, I'm going to go and support Carrie Lake. Uh, Carrie Lake expressed support for banning both surgical and medication abortions outright in Arizona. And of course, Carrie Lake, for nearly two years, has been a leading voice arguing that Trump won the 2020 election when he very clearly and obviously lost. Carrie Lake is a disgusting ideologue, an extremist reactionary. And now that Tulsi Gabbard is seeing the world more clearly because she's no longer part of the Democratic Party, she chooses to go and say, here's who I'm supporting, Carrie Lake. Absolutely disgusting. And I've been hearing from dozens of our viewers over the last week since Tulsi bailed on the Democratic Party, dozens of our viewers saying, David, I fell for it. I fell for it. And I feel so stupid now. It was so obvious, guys. Tulsi Gabbard was not what she claimed to be. And now she's campaigning for Carrie Lake. We'll have these clips, by the way, that I played on our Instagram, which you can find by searching Instagram for David Pakman show. Right now, many of us are asking ourselves, what's the best way to help the people affected by the recent hurricanes? And the truth is giving them cash is one of the best things you can do because cash is so cost effective. When you give families cash, you're also empowering them to choose for themselves how to best improve their situation. And I've talked before about our sponsor, Give Directly. Give Directly is a nonprofit that just lets donors like you send cash directly to families who need it the most. Give Directly is a great organization I've been following for years. A lot of their focus is on impoverished families in Africa. But right now, Give Directly is also allowing you to send cash directly to families impacted by Hurricanes Ian and Fiona. During Hurricane Ian, more than two and a half million people were ordered to leave their homes. Expenses are rising. They need food, shelter, transportation. Hurricane Fiona hit Puerto Rico on September 18th. 
more than 12,000 people displaced. The island is still in a state of emergency and people need help. Visit givedirectly.org slash Pacman to learn more and send money directly to someone who needs it. Use the link in the podcast notes. So the Kanye West anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish comments just will not stop. We have another short interview to look at. And again, the, I, I want to really explain to you all the reason I'm content. I don't care about Kanye West. I don't I don't care about him as an artist and I don't care about him as part of the cultural milieu. What concerns me about Kanye West is that it is the prototypical example of a guy who is saying insane things about Jews. And it's just not taken as seriously in social media and elsewhere as it would be if it was some other individual, a white person, for example, attacking a different group. And this is the soft indifference to anti-Semitism that I have spoken about before. West is unhinged. Let's look at some clips. He was interviewed by Chris Cuomo now on News Nation, which is the it's a new channel of some kind asked about the anti-Semitic comments themselves. And here's what he had to say. Couldn't it also be that you have said things that offend the community guidelines like anti-Semitic comments and things that are seen as insensitive uh, and potentially threatening to communities that we try to protect? Well, I don't like the term anti-Semitic. Yeah, a lot of anti-Semites don't. It's been a term that's allowed people, specifically in my industry, to get away, to get away with murder sometimes, literally. Wow. Literal murder is happening because of the word anti-Semitism. You know, and get away with robbing and doing bad people. People A lot of robbing happens because of the word anti-Semitism. This, this is this is sick. I always say I got screwed on a deal. Is it have, would that become a surprise to you if I said, hey, a music exec screwed someone on a deal? Does that sound kind of like normal commonplace to you? So for me, as, it doesn't have anything like, to do with being anti-Semitic. <laughs> it does if you're Kanye, because his argument is that the Jews are screwing him. Unless you believe that all record producers are Jewish or, you know, it's when you talk about Jewish no, no, people no, specifically you're, you're as that, targeting them that creates a problem. anti-Semitic, but I don't believe in that term. One thing is he doesn't believe it, guys. Imagine if someone said after after throwing around the N word and they were like, that's that's insanely racist. And they go, I don't believe in the term racist. Oh, all right. Well, I guess it's fine. Black people are also Jew. I classify as Jew also. So I actually can't be an anti-Semite. So, so the term. Yeah. Kanye can't be anti-Semitic because he also is Jew, as he likes to say. I'm not going to do the full explanation now about uh, this entire black Israelite 12 lost tribes thing. I've already done it a bunch of times before, but that movement in and of itself is quite a racist movement. Um, here's another segment from this just completely delusional interview in which Kanye says he's been texting with Kid Rock, which doesn't come as a huge surprise to me, I must say. It's actually something Kid Rock uh, uh, just gave me a text about that. Go to places where you're celebrated, not where you're just tolerated. Ooh. You know, I bring a lot. He's his Kanye's upset that his anti he has very in a very he wants to be given some kind of prize for calling out the Jews, essentially. He's not being celebrated for his anti-Semitism. Oh, uh, I bring a lot of 
attention to these platforms, to Instagram and to Twitter, and they silo you. They, they shadow ban you. Everyone knows that was shadow ban on Instagram. Yeah. And what's wild is he's even using the rhetoric of these right wingers. The right wingers always tell me, David, you've shadow banned me on your platform. And they get it from prominent right wingers and Republicans who have been talking about shadow bans for a while. Uh, and now Kanye is using it. This guy's disgusting. It's not getting the reaction that I believe it deserves. And now potentially Kanye is going to buy himself social media platform parlor, which we talked about on yesterday's bonus show. Uh, failed former President Donald Trump was given the opportunity to respond to uh, Kanye West's anti-Semitic comments. Now, this was an interesting um, question. This was with uh, Larry O'Connor, Joe O'Connor, Larry O'Connor from the Salem News uh, Channel. And Kanye has praised Trump before. And when you praise Trump, Trump will rarely criticize you no matter what you do, no matter what you say, even though Donald Trump has uh, a Jewish daughter by conversion and a Jewish son in law and Jewish grandkids and all this stuff. Trump, we know, harbors many anti-Semitic beliefs, but he's also not going to attack Kanye over this would be my guess, because Kanye is nice to Trump and likes Trump. And indeed, Trump downplayed uh, Kanye's anti-Semitic comments in this just complete implosion of an interview. He's been saying some really uh, uh, offensive things lately about your own son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and about Jewish people, uh, Jewish Americans. Yeah, he's attacking your family. Writ large. Uh, could you react to that? Because is this the guy that you knew? Well, I haven't really uh, seen the statements he's made. I Give me a break, dude. did watch the Tucker Carlson interview, and he was really nice to me. <laughs> that's what that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Listen, the anti-Semitic comments, including the ones against my own son in law that I didn't see. But he had great reviews for me when he spoke to Tucker. And by the way, Tucker cut out anti-Semitic elements of that interview as well, which we later obtained beyond anybody. He was he was great to me and he was great, really, to MAGA, to the MAGA movement, MAGA. which was very impressive. I, I was, uh, you know, not surprised. I, got, I always got along with him. I liked him. I've always gotten along with him. Uh, so I don't really know what statements he made. Sometimes he'll make a statement and a lot of people will uh, think it's worse than he means it to be hmm. right, guys. Kanye's overtly anti-Semitic statements, including listing a dozen different anti-Semitic tropes in that uh, drink, whatever interview that I played for you earlier this week, it was all blown up and taken out of context. I think that, uh, you know, I was I was uh, certainly very uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. He yeah. was really high on a guy named Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. he's been saying some. Um, Trump's approaches. I don't care what he says, as long as he's nice to me, that that's fundamentally what it is. Um, let's look at a little bit more of this interview. The entire interview is bizarre. Again, let's get all those questions answered. I'm very proud to be joined by the 45th president, Donald Trump. Mr. President, thank you for joining us tonight. Well, thank you very much, Larry. It's an well, honor. I know that you're focusing on the 2022 primaries. You're doing your, your rallies. And I know that there's a lot of candidates that you single-handedly endorse. The latest polling shows a red wave coming. How much credit do you think you deserve for what's about to happen? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question to open it up with. How much should we be praising you for any Republican win in November, sir? Well, I think we deserve a lot of credit for having done a really good job over four years yeah. so that 
We had no inflation. We had the greatest economy in the history of our country. We had uh, the strongest border ever. We defeated ISIS. Uh, we would have uh, never had the catastrophe that's going on in Ukraine. That was not something that would ever have happened 100 percent. We were energy independent. We were going to be energy dominant in a period, a very short period of time. Right. We would have been supplying the world with energy. We would have made a fortune. We would have brought down the taxes and many other things. We rebuilt the military. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of things that we did. Was that 12 lies in 90 seconds? Is that is that actually what I just heard? So as you can imagine, not exactly a significant journalistic rigor during this very strange interview. But listen, if you're nice to Trump, you can get away with saying anything, even overtly anti-Semitic comments about Trump's own son in law. Must be nice to just have that simple moral guidepost. If they say nice things about me, I'll say nice things about them. We'll take a quick break and be back after this. Don't forget that the best way to support the David Pakman show is by becoming a member, which gives you access to the daily bonus show, the regular show with no commercials. You also get access to our entire archive of every episode dating back a really long time and plenty of other awesome membership perks. Go to joinpacman.com and use the coupon code better 21 for a huge discount. Joinpacman.com. All right, let's look at a couple other things that I have for you today. Um, I'm going to play a clip for you now from what is supposedly the straight news. I don't mean heterosexual, by the way. I think when I'm talking about Fox News, it's important to clarify Fox News does this thing where they say, OK, listen, we have our straight news and we have our opinion. Sure, the opinion side has a right wing lean because those are the individuals we have. They are allowed to give their views and say whatever they want. But when we do news, when we do straight news, our anchors, they are just doing news. Now, we all know that that's not true. We know we've known for years that that's not true. One of the techniques that the Fox straight news shows will do to do the very same opinion that the opinion shows do is Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity at night will give some disgusting opinion about something. And then the next day, Fox News, hard news shows report on the opinion as if it is newsworthy. Right. So Tucker will go, oh, immigrants make our country dirty and poor. But that's opinion. The next day, the anchor who doesn't do opinion goes a Fox News uh, uh, host, Tucker Carlson, says that immigrants make our country dirtier and poorer. Is this true or not? Now we debate that with one talking head versus another talk. OK, so you know that technique. But Harris Faulkner is a particular Fox News straight news anchor who is increasingly straight up using Tucker Carlson and other Fox News hosts disgusting rhetoric about immigrants to the point that she's openly using Nazi type rhetoric now on her uh, program, I guess we call it. OK, let's listen to what she had to say yesterday. Caught my eye and ear. Senator, thank you for being in focus today. Yeah. Thank you, Harris. The fallout over the bombshell report on the DHS asking for military volunteers to do chores for people who've shown up at our border, mm. including picking up the garbage after them. Now, I've shown you on this very program an exclusive video that they leave a trail of unspeakables 
from the river's edge until they can enter someplace illegally where there are no border patrol, nobody there to stop them, some sensors that, that are very, very slow to respond to because there's so many of them. They make our country look like what they left. And now our people are going to be picking up all that trash and all that excrement. It's in focus. Oh, boy, what a hard hitting story. Um, this is essentially straight up Nazi style rhetoric that Nazis used about Jews, which now many of these right wingers are using about Hispanic immigrants from Central and South America. It's it, they have been building up to this on Fox News for a long time. OK, this is essentially using Tucker Carlson's poorer and dirtier rhetoric about immigrants. They make our country look like the crappy place they left behind, the trash that they left behind. And now we're going to be going around picking up their trash and excrement. This is straight up textbook. What the type of stuff that used to be said about Jews? Oh, they bring disease and they bring filth and they infect and they get released into the wild, sort of like animalistic type dehumanizing language. And understand that what I showed you is supposedly ostensibly not opinion journalism. That's that's the news hour on Fox News. Um, it's just overt at this point in time. And so when we wonder, you know, how can these what we call primary Fox News viewers, people who primarily get their news from Fox News. How do they believe so much stuff that's not true? How do they believe lies about climate change, the election, vaccines, taxes, the economy, oil, electric vehicles? How how is it that they believe just so much stuff that's not true? It's because they only watch Fox News or almost only watch Fox News. They can't tell the difference between news and opinion and what is a fact and what is an opinion. And Fox News deliberately makes it difficult. And by difficult, I mean, you know, like. An intelligent person would be able to tell the difference, but Fox doesn't help distinguish between its opinion and news shows. And this is the type of stuff you get absolutely disgusting. One other thing from Fox News that is just laughable. Fox Nation, which is the streaming network for Fox News, they're doing a mock trial of Hunter Biden. I, no, no, no. I, I didn't say Joe Biden. They're doing a mock trial of Hunter Biden. You know, they talk about impeaching Joe Biden, to which we often say for what, <laughs> for what, for what. But if they did a mock trial of Joe Biden, at least Joe Biden's the president. But that's not what they're doing. They are doing a mock trial for Hunter Biden. It's fiction programming. OK, take a look at this promo. Hunter Biden is the most protected person in the country. What? Money laundering, illegal foreign lobbying. You have the laptop, infamous big guy email. The son of the vice president is doing deals funded by the Chinese government. There are so many pieces of evidence. The media has ignored it because they wanted Joe Biden elected president. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I am here to defend Hunter Biden. What? There were attempting to influence policy. Objection, Your Honor. Let's look at photographs. This is what I think of these photographs. We really have no way of knowing what was said between him and these people. 
Did he commit bribery? Your Honor, if you're going to try my case, try not to lose it. At this time, the prosecution rests. The trial of Hunter Biden, streaming all this week. <laughs> oh my goodness. How can we even take this seriously? You know, this could be so devastating. I don't know that anyone's going to vote for Hunter Biden after this program. Oh, he's not running for anything. Oh, fictional programming for their endlessly gullible audience. And again, we we see these interviews at a Trump rally and these people are obsessed with Hunter Biden. And we're like, why? Where is this stuff coming from? It's coming from places like this. It's coming from this type of programming. Uh, Mr. Biden, you're being charged with two counts of a laptop from hell and two counts of the Biden crime family. How do you plea? I really wish they would stop trying to make this Hunter Biden stuff happen. But it's also a reminder of how vapid and vacant there they are in terms of having anything else. They don't have anything else to work with. This is all they have at this point in time. And yes, I know Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert say that they're going to impeach Joe Biden. Okay. They seem they all seem much, much more focused on Hunter Biden. It's pathetic. It's humiliating. And again, remember, one of the ways in which Fox News has become what it is, and Fox Nation is the streaming arm of Fox News. One of the ways they've done it is they blur the lines between reality and fiction, and they blur the lines between news and opinion. And do we call this a film? I don't know what I don't know if it's a series or a film. This mock trial of Hunter Biden is the epitome of appealing to low information folks who lack all media literacy, blurring opinion and news, fact and fiction. And hopefully nobody watches it. It looks like it's going to be a complete and total disaster. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here is a voicemail about the new finance channel. Yes, we have a finance channel, youtube.com slash Pacman finance. You know, we get so many voicemails from people who just don't understand what the hell I'm talking about. And I usually blame myself. I must be a terrible communicator. This caller knows exactly what the Pacman finance channel is and is supposed to be. Take a listen. Hey, David, uh, I'd like to thank you so much for, you know, uh, creating the Pacman Finance uh, YouTube channel. Thank you. I really like the content that you've been producing. It's very simple, um, nothing too exquisite, like talking about, oh, which stock should I buy or no. when should I buy Tesla? Just really simple, you know, personal finance that I really feel like a lot of people are missing out today, especially in regards to uh, credit to uh, credit scores, learning how to budget, uh, stuff like that. And I mean, and also the fact that, you know, you're not like Dave Ramsey. That's also a very refreshing thing. So, yes. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for creating the Pacman Finance channel. And I look forward to seeing, you know, seeing the channel, you know, get up to, you know, one million. Well, listen, I don't know about a million subscribers, but I have to tell you, the Pacman Finance channel has grown more quickly out of the gate to 10,000 subscribers than any other channel or project we've been involved in. Now, I want to remind everybody, I have nothing to sell you. It is an alternative to these right wing finance folks. Dave Ramsey, who gives financial advice, but he's anti-vax and has horrible employment practices he's been accused of at his organization. You don't need that. 
you can get all the information without the anti-vax nuttery. Okay, so indeed, there's no stock picking. There's none of that. Check out the channel youtube.com slash Pacman finance more than 11,000 subscribers. It's all free. There's nothing you even could pay for if you wanted. It's all free. So many basic personal finance topics. I always say we should start teaching this stuff to 12 year olds and we don't. So we're offering it for free on the channel. Okay. Recent topics, the hidden cost of low prices. Okay. How low prices can actually lead to more spending. Is it better to pay with cash or credit cards? Understanding the math of retirement. Why uh, health insurance is important. Roth versus versus traditional IRAs, understanding net worth, why the stock market has been down, improving your credit score, why you shouldn't bother trying to time the market, all of these things. It is just free, simple topics. Okay. YouTube.com slash Pacman Finance. If more folks knew the stuff and understood the content that was on this channel, we would have way fewer people fall for financial scams, number one. And in general, people would be better off in terms of understanding their financial position. No stock picks. If you're expecting stock picks, this is not the channel for you. If you're expecting anti-vax, this is not the channel for you. Go to Dave Ramsey for the anti-vax finance stuff. YouTube.com slash Pacman Finance. Okay, enough. On today's bonus show, great bonus show today. Yet another acquittal related to Durham. Trump and Republicans have been saying, oh, Durham's going to get this person, that person. It's going to be crazy. Yet another Durham acquittal. It's a humiliation for the right wingers. The White House is pushing ahead on a plan to research the idea of cooling the earth by reflecting sunlight back out into space. Discussed in science fiction for decades. Could it become a reality? We will talk about it today on the bonus show. And also, I know that I just told you that the new British prime minister uh, replacing Boris Johnson is Liz Truss. She's been in what, what a few weeks. She's already only hanging on by a thread. Party members are calling for her to be removed. And this could be one of the shortest tenures as British prime minister in British history. Fascinating. I guess not good for Liz Truss, but maybe good for the people of the UK. All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. But everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Thank your lucky stars every day. You're not Dave Pakman. Well, many of our viewers do thank their lucky stars every single day that they have access to the bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. We will see you on the bonus show or otherwise back here tomorrow.